Hey, Rich, do you yeah. have any money in crypto? I do not. But I notice that you like to look at the website coinmarketcap.com a lot when we're working together. Why is that? I can't explain it. I, I, it's uh, First off, I take off my pants every time before I look at coinmarketcap.com. That's something we're going to discuss. It is. Um, I'm fascinated by how the movie ends. That's really the best way I can put it. Boy, it's um, a long movie uh, so far, though. Do you own crypto? No, I, I don't understand it. I'm Irish. I put all of my savings into lottery tickets. Advisors. So did you read the big article on crypto? I did. I did. It's, it's by really Meta good. Levine from Bloomberg. It's a whole issue of Bloomberg Business Week. It was pretty cool. Explained yeah. how it all worked. And so we were lucky enough to book Matt Levine on this podcast. And we also reached out to a good old friend of ours, Aaron Lammer, who is a true crypto expert. That guy's done everything. He's, he's had podcasts and now he's um, involved in, in crypto on a professional level. And we asked him to just come on in the world, the chaotic world of crypto and just tell us what's going on. So uh, we've got Matt Levine from Bloomberg. Matt, hello. Welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. We've got Aaron Lammer from many places. No, yeah, it's hard to put Lammer in a box. A true but renaissance you, man. But Lammer, yes. you have a job. Where are you right now? I work for a cryptocurrency uh, trading firm, but I also host podcasts and do other stuff. Malavine is a great finance journalist, and he writes Money Stuff, which is the newsletter about what in my God, what happened in finance. Aaron, what are we allowed to say about your new professional context? You have been a podcaster, crypto expert, crypto podcaster, podcasting crypto podcaster. Weed expert, mu musician. I mean, there's a lot here. Well, I'll, I'll give a little bit of context that I came to this stuff uh, not with an intention of being involved in crypto in a professional context. And I, I would even shy away from calling myself for a, a trader. I work for a trading firm, but not everything I do there is trading. But the way I came to this was doing a podcast about crypto with Jay Kang many years ago called Coin Talk, which mm -hmm. was largely about this kind of stuff, about frauds, scams, hilarity coming out of the crypto industry. Uh, somehow actually got to be a believer while doing that pod. Later made a podcast called Exit Scam, which was about the collapse of an exchange called Quadriga, which at the time was a massive deal and now seems to be and firmly Canadian <laughs> compared to the events of the last few weeks. But I would consider myself an aficionado of insolvent exchanges. I, I don't I don't want to get ahead of us, but I really I wanted I want a reality television show where so like I think you come down on the the Quadriga guy probably being dead, but like the mystery there, not to spoil anything, is like he may or may not be dead. Um and like there are there's like a like right now there's a high number of very much on the run or like their bags are packed, they're ready to be on the run crypto exchange founders. And I kind of want them to all find their way to one like penthouse in Abu Dhabi and live together. And fight with each other about whose exchange blow up, blew up, who else's exchange. And I feel like the Quadriga guy is in some ways the original of that. I will say that Exit Scam was acquired for TV rights. And Matt's pitch is like not way off some of the 
writer's room discussions this that we've is, had oh, about this is the great. Show. No, but what <laughs> I want is, is <laughs> I want the crypto odd couple narrative, right? I want the right, but it's like an it's like an odd octuple, right? It's like they all hate each other and they're all like they all blew up their exchanges in the wrong ways. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other what? person I would put into that reality show is that there's a North Korean unit that's probably Ooh, the most yes. prolific hackers in cryptocurrency. So you have these sketchy founders versus sketchy North Koreans who I think are living in China and run this extremely elite hacking unit. So a lot of good characters in this. Cool. Cool. I mean, Everything's great. <laughs> but on the other hand, if crypto was not attracting these kind of people, I think it would show mm. that there was no money, no upside, no future in this stuff. Mm -hmm. I think there's a baby in bathwater element probably with yep. like sketchy Got stuff it. and crypto. Maybe more, less baby, more bathwater in the future. You hope it's tilting in, in the right direction. But... Let's talk about that issue. Why? By the way, it feel, it, as I was reading it, I was like, where were you seven years ago? interesting right like the timing is yeah. in some ways bad but i actually think like there's a really good micro timing which is that i think we've closed stopped making substantive changes to it in probably like the end of august or like early september mm -hmm. and uh it published in, in like october and i was like this is really dangerous like there's gonna be a lot of news coming out between when i stop tinkering with it and when it publishes and we're gonna look foolish and like actually no news happened in that month and then mm. two weeks later, so much news yeah. happened. Yeah. It was great. It was yeah. great. Just to clarify for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, sum up what what you what you wrote. Uh, it's not an uh, article. It's an entire issue of a magazine. Business Week came to me and they were like, would you like to write an entire issue about crypto like Paul Ford did about code a few right. years okay, ago? I remember that guy. I remember that guy. They were like, that, that worked out fine. He did what is code. Can you do what is crypto? And... Our working title for it for a while was What Was Crypto, which I wish we had actually titled it that because it would have, like, that would have made it look really precious. But um, yeah. instead, we ended up calling it, like, the crypto story. But it was a whole issue of Business Week trying to explain crypto and, um, uh, you know, let's say not make any prediction. Explain crypto where we are so yeah. far. And then get yeah. you set up so you're caught up for two weeks later when everything changes. I have a question for you guys. So Please. I think that a lot of this stuff where you're like, ah, oh, this is jargony. Who gets this? The original of this was the world of startups and the normalization of startup culture in America, where you start talking about seed rounds and valuations. And this company is worth $8 billion, though we lost $2 million last year. So my question to you is, when Elizabeth Holmes was revealed as a fraud, did it change your view on doing a startup in America? No. Uh, it didn't, mainly because I've always had, Paul and I are East Coast blue collar, and we've always found it all outlandish. She happened to do things to actually harm actual human beings with bad medical information, right? Like it was bad. Yes. That a very particular line was crossed there. Let me actually bounce back a question because you guys know this world much more intimately than we do did did you feel like as you're interacting and, and matt you've directly interacted with with ftx and the leadership there did you feel like oh boy this is gonna 
freaking stumble on its face in the next 12 months no i mean i i like you know actually jake hang wrote a nice thing about what sam bankman fried and ftx were trading on and it was this sort of like image of being people from traditional finance who knew what they were doing and were he wore shorts and was very young but there was a sense in which like they felt like the adults in the room because they weren't like crypto evangelists they weren't mm. the world is going to change because of web3 they were like these lines go up and down and we can make money by selling and buying and like they had came from places on wall street where like people were good at that in a sort of like really rigorous and scientific way and they all came from jane street capital which is this trading firm that just makes tiny pennies trading stocks back and forth and there was this impression that they brought over good practices from the financial industry where like people knew what they were doing and were applying it in a world that uh had issues but was very lucrative right where you can make a penny trading stocks you can make 40 dollars trading crypto and that was my impression there's a bloomberg odd podcast that i did with sam bankman fried I asked him about yield farming and he described like a magic box that produced money. And I was like, you're describing a Ponzi scheme. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's fine. Uh, and at the time I was like, well, you know, that's like, he's not like, like there's, he's making no claims about crypto here. He's just, he sees the box that produces money and he's extracting money from it. And so, I don't know, that sounded like a good business to me. Clearly I was wrong. But. Oh, okay. So you walked away from that thinking, okay, this guy seems to self-police pretty well. He's got good financial concepts under his belt. So this you can do this. And also he was in a business of, he, he started a trading firm that was from Market Maker where he was making money on lines going up and down. But then he like moved into starting an exchange, which like, like the thing about the Elizabeth Holmes comparison, like those blood tests didn't work. Like the exchange worked, like people used it and like, People liked the technology and found it a good exchange to trade on. So it, was it wasn't like a fake Excellent product. user experience. Right. Like you guys as software developers, if I showed you Binance and FTX, you would go, that guy's going to win far and away. You would have been like, this is like low latency. This is a high quality website where if I was trading large amounts of money, it would be valuable to me. Let me dive in here as a layman because you can help us explain it. I'm going to yep. make some assumptions and tell me what's wrong. It's an exchange. So I guess the way they make their money or their business model is they take a, a little bit of a fee on transactions that happen on the exchange. So they are not really holding anything on their books on behalf of anyone, correct? Because they are an exchange. Help me understand how we got from exchange that's really good UI to I'm really sorry, customer. Yeah, exchange in crypto means something different from what it means in traditional finance. An exchange is like well, both a brokerage and comes exchange. To six paragraphs, man. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> call a, it's it a, a shadow bank. It's a broker help. and an exchange. Oh, it's, they hold your money for you and they do the trades for you. And so when you want to buy crypto, like it's a broker and an exchange and a bank, right? When you want to buy crypto, the thing that you do is you send a check to a crypto company to an exchange, and they send you back some crypto, right? And and when you do that, then they get your money. Well, and, actually, actually, they don't give you crypto. They give you U.S. dollars on your account, which means right. even without owning crypto, you might have a significant amount of money on it. Right. So like, you de like the first thing you do is you deposit money at the brokerage slash exchange, which is called an exchange for no reason. And the second thing you do is that you have money in your account and you say, I'm going to move, I'm going to exchange that those dollars for Bitcoin or whatever. And then when you do that, like in theory, 
and sometimes in practice, they could be like, we're going to send you Bitcoin on the blockchain and then you'll own them on the blockchain and you'll have all of your like crypto like self-custody stuff. But mostly they don't. Mostly they're just like, okay, well, we're going to make a little notation in your account saying that you own some Bitcoin and then they hold the Bitcoin for you and they hold whatever for you. And that's in like an old school database like we've been using from the 70s, not on the blockchain. Yes. And that's, like, that or, was, the or part. not even. <laughs> turns right. Out yeah. Uh, maybe in or the a database. CSV file. Yeah. Maybe nowhere. Or nowhere. But, but a lot of the stuff when you guys, when we <laughs> were talking earlier about crypto and trustlessness, that is the stuff that happens on the blockchain. And that's what I'm interested in. That's what decentralized finance is. That mm -hmm. is a very specific path. Everything that was happening on FTX was not on the blockchain and therefore was not visible and therefore was not particularly different than any Caribbean shadow bank other than it serviced a heavily crypto audience. I just want to ask Aaron if he knew this 60 days ago. Did you know this 60 days ago about FTX? That FTX was going to implode? Yeah. Uh, no. I did not know that it was. Did you know blow. that it was a shadow bank and not really an exchange? Oh yeah, yeah, and they yeah. Weren't properly using. Oh yeah, that, this is yeah. This, this is why we know. This, this is why they know. <laughs> well, wait, wait. I, I'm going to go even yeah. crazier here. You guys had that party for the opening of your company. How long ago was that? A couple weeks. A couple weeks ago, before this happened, I was talking to Brady Dale, who works for CoinDesk, at your party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we discussed Sam Bankman-Fried at your party. This can be fact-checked, Brady. And he was like, "I said, I think Sam." is either going to become the richest man in the world or go to jail. That was something I've said to multiple people over the last year. So I didn't know this was going to happen, but looking at all the possibilities, I was like, this is one end of the spectrum of what, what could, how this could end. No, to your question, this is like the fact that crypto exchanges are like this, that they hold your money for you and keep a database and sometimes lose it, is widely known. It's the reason that there keep being podcasts like Aaron's where, you know, like this is not the first exchange or the second or the 10th to lose yes. people's money. This is like, for a while, I, w I used to write the fate of every crypto exchange is to lose its customer's money. And then that stopped being true for, I don't know, four years. And now it's back with a vengeance. Like, it's not hard. It's not that hard. It's like a little hard. It's not that hard to have customers give you the money and you keep it, right? That's a thing that exists in the world and can be done. And um, I would also say, there are exchanges hey. that operate completely differently. I can't believe I'm going to come on a podcast and like shill Brian Armstrong, but like that is not how Coinbase operates. Coinbase is no, a it is. publicly it is. But like it, it they're, they're being they take your money and they keep it. Yes. It's not on the blockchain. But yes. like, but they're it's not a yeah, black they're box. publicly traded. They're audited. They're they're audited. They're... So you had a choice as a consumer in this to go to a audited, publicly traded American exchange or a Caribbean shadow bank. Now the Caribbean shadow bank offered products that the regulated American exchange did not offer. And part of what Upside. Sam Bankman-Fried was lobbying for was for him to be able to bring some of those Caribbean shadow bank types of financial products to Americans. That's right, Matt. Like that's, he wanted FTX International to be available to Americans. Is that part of the lobbying? I don't totally remember. I'm not sure they would have said it that way, but yeah, that's yeah. the basic idea. Like, yes. No, no, they had a much but... broader product offering in the Caribbean and they wanted to bring more of those products to the U.S. Yeah. Including perpetual futures, which are like the most widely traded crypto product. Most people who are trading like big crypto aren't like buying and selling like actual Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're buying these futures that are, you can long or short them. So is, I guess, just to close the loop on the other big 
big guy that's out there. I mean, Binance is out there. Are do they have are they holding on to the money that got deposited? All of the shadow bank stuff we knew a month ago. And if you had asked me, does FTX have the money? I would have been like, probably, right? So if you ask me now, does Binance have the money? Probably, but like what use is, is me saying that, right? I would say you guys are thinking about this from the perspective of being savers or hodlers. A lot of the people who are at FTX are traders. They needed it to be at FTX to do the trades that made the money for their business. So they weren't there because they were like, yo, these shadow banks are sick. Cool place to put your money. They were there because it was necessary. And really the only alternative to FTX for this is Binance. Choose your poison. I don't know what Matt well, now would Now we say. don't have to. Now well, it's I, just one poison. If I had asked you, Matt, two months ago, who was more likely to go down in flames, Binance or FTX, I think you might've said, we might've said Binance. I would have said Binance. I don't want to like endorse that too strongly because I just don't know that much about Binance. But, but right, FTX definitely sort of put out the signals of we hired Tom Brady and we lobby a lot and we're trying to be regulated and good citizens. And they're just like, although they were in the Caribbean, they were more like legible to regulate. Like, like the Binance like regulatory and entity structure is much weirder than the FTX one. Where no one knows what the company is that runs Binance because they don't mm. want one target for regulation. So like Binance is a website and what company owns it? Nobody knows. What needs to change so we don't have, how do we avert the next big bomb dropping in crypto? I don't have a lot of money at offshore crypto yeah. exchanges. You know, well, like, I mean, uh, there's a lot it, of people. It's a little I mean, bit like casinos being that... robbed. It's okay. It's bad that the casino got robbed, but there it's are worse casino? places to get robbed. Yeah. Uh, what needs to change? I don't know. I feel like uh, if you're Aaron, you'd say something like custody your own coins and use DeFi. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, I think we've revealed the central. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally, yeah, that's exactly what I was yep. going to say. <laughs> well, like, we've that's found like a widespread view in crypto. Yeah, yeah, we found the weak link in crypto's Achilles heel, and crypto's Achilles heel is to the change. Your... Always steal the money. Yes, to change your bank account dollars into crypto, you have to go through a centralized exchange. The centralized exchange is like in Lord of the Rings when you've got the ring right above your finger, and you're deciding whether you're going to put it on. It attracts the guy who's going to put the ring on. It attracts thieves and scoundrels. Historically, mm. people who've gotten access to billions of dollars of other people's money take it. We can dig into the human psychology behind this. My guess is this has existed for a thousand to five thousand years. That the guy who you let, mm. who the guy who you choose to give all the money to, is the guy who takes sure. the money. So my belief mm. is that we have to take centralized actors out of the system and various people can find dystopian reasons not to do that. Mm. But my mm. belief is that that system will be safer, more transparent, and will really like allow the promise that people, if you believe in this stuff at all, that is the step okay, forward, so not to, worth mm. to the blockchain. Everything. Is on there the a name for the blockchain nativist movement? Do you, what do you call yourselves? I would say, I mean, people call it DeFi, but I would say it's on-chain. On chain. You're either on-chain or off-chain. FTX was off-chain. If you're on-chain, Binance is off-chain. Off-chain. All centralized exchanges are Yeah, off any chain. company you've heard of is off-chain. Okay. Rich, my answer to your question, how did this happen? Like, the main answer is that, like, the user experience you get from a centralized exchange is just going to be easier than, so far, the other user experience. Like, like mm -hmm. to get crypto, the thing you do is you take a credit card or a check and you exchange mm -hmm. your dollars for crypto. Mm -hmm. And you can do that without a centralized exchange. But mm -hmm. 
and I've done it without a centralized exchange is that I Venmoed like a friend of mine and he sent me mm. crypto on the blockchain, right? And then I'm like, oh, I Venmoed myself mm. some crypto. That's not like mm. scalable. That's not a friendly user experience. It doesn't make you feel like you're doing your retirement savings. The thing that's user friendly is a centralized exchange where there's like a website and you type in your credit card and maybe yeah. they even have public financial statements. So I think that's a big part of the answer. And I think that it is harder yeah. for the decentralized. It's like Twitter and Mastodon, right? It's like, there's, yeah, there is, yeah. there is some sort of, you can cobble together your own server to yeah. do it, but then you're like, the audience for that is small. The other thing I'll say is that like, how did we get this way? Like, you know, as Aaron said, FTX was for traders and like, like I see there like in crypto, there's like an initial real, like philosophical decentralization, like libertarian vibe and like the mm -hmm. early Bitcoin people. And then people at Jane street discovered it and were like, Oh, we can make so much money trading this. And then they wanted to have all the stuff that you could have access to in traditional finance. So we want, like, we want leverage. We want an exchange that will allow us to borrow 10 times our investment and all that stuff works again. It can be done in DeFi, but it has a better and more like finance friendly user experience in like the centralized mm. exchanges. And so there's this wave of crypto people who are not like crypto decentralization, like true believers. They're just like guys from hedge funds who want to make money. Just further, like I've literally watched almost every video that Sam Bankman Freed put on the internet in the last week. And if you look really closely at his plans, they were really pushing the presidential betting markets. They had a $7 billion, a $7 million short Trump position, and they were interested in getting into sports betting. Like clearly the next step for FTX was going to take over the fan duel uh, Caesar sportsbook market and these things like that. That's so great. If you That's zoom cool. out, it looks a little less crypto-y and a little bit more like our desire is to own all Apparently, markets. And, I, and this is yeah. what and, Sam Bankman like, said. In addition to sports and elections, they were very interested in tokenizing stock trading and like yep. bringing mm. the stock That's market. Just content. more you, a question to build on what you're saying, Matt. Great UX means the barrier is way lower and there's a lot more people who are frankly, more ignorant, more naive about the risks involved and what it attracts. Like it, it is, it is, there are, I'm going to say, you know, innocent people who think, okay, I should probably put some money in this. And some people go too far and they blow their life savings and pension funds and whatnot. Because usability usability actually lowered the barrier so dramatically. And there's a lot they don't know. There's a lot of knowledge that is not there. And they go in. When the UX lowers the barrier, should something else kick in that protects people from making terrible decisions? Do you think? I, yeah, like I'm, you guys asked what, what needs to change. And I said, I can give you Aaron's answer. And we talked about DeFi. I mean, like, like. I don't have a great answer, but to me, like I'm a traditional finance guy and I don't know if Coinbase is stealing the money, but I don't think they are because like they have audited public financial statements and they are, they they're in the U S and if they steal the money, they will get arrested in a way that doesn't necessarily happen in the Bahamas. And so I think that like, you know, and like Aaron talks about the, the, like the temptation of the ring. If you hold the money, you steal the money. Jamie Dimon doesn't steal the money. JP yeah. Morgan just keeps your money. And yeah. There are risks in traditional banking, right? Because that is a leveraged business yeah. and it's not like you just keep the money in the vault, but like they mostly don't steal the money. And yeah. for various reasons, including that they can get, they can make plenty of money by doing stuff with the money, which is also true of crypto exchanges, right? And then someone else comes along with a wonkier website who's, I'll give you 20% returns. And like people go to that one and then they steal yeah. the money because the 20% like yeah. returns are fake. And so yeah. there is, I think, and I realize the crypto people don't like this, but I imagine that there is a, like a potential regulatory solution where it's, you have the 
easier to use centralized experience and it's run by a set of people who are subject to regulation and if they just steal the money they like very much go to prison and like i think that that's like to me that's intuitive but it's hard to see how we get there in part because crypto is so international where if you want to use an exchange you can go to binance which has like better Where features than like the u.s based? nowhere it's, literally oh, nowhere. Le- legally in dubai <laughs> oh. but i believe one of matt's colleagues tried to visit their office and it's just an empty floor of an office building in dubai so that's about oh, where that's it is amazing and it, it's i don't think it's even what? legally based in dubai i think it's like there, no one knows legally, which legal entity head, runs it's like headquartered in dubai yeah, yes right. got it and like i think it's hard for like the u.s to say we're going to regulate crypto we're going to be pretty strict about it and then all the crypto exchanges will be here and all the u.s people will use u.s crypto exchanges like this is not true right yeah like u.s people in fact trade on ftx and binance in various ways and it's not really supposed to happen but it's like it can happen in a lot of ways and uh and um it's just hard to have a sort of like like crypto is so international it's hard to have a really contained regulatory regime that that you can rely on but obviously there are companies like Coinbase that are making a bet that being subject to U.S. regulation is going to be a good marketing move. They're going to be like, you can put your money here and we probably won't steal it. Whereas if you put your money in the Bahamas, they'll probably steal it. And that's a pretty good and, pitch. You now. know, PricewaterhouseCoopers yeah. will come look at the spreadsheet and say that they yeah. didn't steal your money. Yeah. And, like, and yeah. publish an audit report right. on the SEC right. website. And some of this is moot. Yeah. Like if your desire is to hold, let's say Bitcoin and Ethereum, that's going to be on fidelity in a year or two. So if you don't want to be involved in banking in the Caribbean, there's going to be mm. great options. Just walk into the brand. Just go in. I want to do something new with crypto. I want to build something. Everything is so dodgy. Like everything is so vague. I'm going to give you three words. Give me three Paul. words. Initial coin offering that was a i was joking for people at home i'm joking there was a very sketchy period of crypto history that potentially we're still in where people who had an idea like hey i'm going to make a decentralized twitter before they actually made it would say and i'm selling off the coins for this for governance i'm going to get new cryptocurrency and and then i'm going to fund development by selling those coins off by selling the coins now that has a lot of problems because after you've sold the coins what is your real incentive to actually deliver the on-chain Twitter? You've already become a billionaire from selling your decentralized Twitter coins, and therefore you have very little incentive to run that. Over got financialized too early. A lot of things I think got financial. I mean, the whole idea of yield farming is basically things getting financialized too early. Um, there are things that basically are buying audience or buying development money by printing tokens. All right, so let me, I'm taking you both out for drinks. I'm sitting with you and, you know, we're not on a podcast. You can speak your heart. I want to start this crypto company. Do you think I should do it? Like, I want to create my own version. I don't even know where to start. I could put a little of my own money in. Like, what do I do? What do I do if I really want to participate in this world and make things? Well, you just go over to A16Z and get funding. And instead of you selling your tokens to a bunch of individuals, you can sell them to market. Yeah, but that guy's got me blocked on Twitter. He hates me. (laughs) What do I do? Is that really it? Like, you just kind of got to go get their money and then you can build whatever. 
whose money you're going to get. You're going to get either people's money or venture capitalist money. I don't know who who else is going to have money. For uh, is, is it possible to hack together like a little crypto startup with four of your buddies in a room? Like, is it or is it all just real? Absolutely. What? OK, Absolutely. Absolutely. this is this is a fully insane conversation. <laughs> so you guys introduced me as working for a trading firm, but a large portion of what I actually do for a living is explain how MetaMask works to people who are extremely uh, advanced in other. Please forms of do it. Industry. It's a great way to right? end this. So so basically, I a lot of this is like, hey, you guys are thinking we're building a modern web stack and I'm going to tell you that we're, we have a bulletin board system, and this is how you call it with your 14.4 modem. Now, here's some errors you normally get when you're connecting to this bulletin board mm -hmm. system. And so the question is, you're describing modern web apps, and I'm describing an era of technological history that has kind of more in common with the era, I think, that like we came up in, you know, where you had to be able to use DOS. You had to be able to know what, what to do, mm -hmm. right? And so... I see some of the products that I think are truly profound. Like maybe I only see them because I'm like spending my whole life in this, but like, I'm going to take an example, ENS domains, right? These are domains that are held as an NFT on the blockchain. So I can prove I own this domain. I can buy and sell this domain. I can literally own this domain as long as the Ethereum blockchain goes on, which is a powerful idea. You don't ever have to go back to GoDaddy's website again. Right. You don't have to rely on this centralized institution. But that's just like the lowest, tiniest building block of a stack that would build the experiences that you're describing in a completely decentralized. To DNS, my main like the fundamental registration building block of the Internet is kind of coming online now. Kind of coming world. online now. So I would be like, slow your roll. It could be another 15 years because it's infinitely harder to build all this stuff in this manner, but it also, in my opinion, totally changes the products you make when you when you build on chain in that manner. So I'm, I think you're gonna be disappointed in the short term, but you might be excited in the mid to long okay, term. Okay, I'm asking- Because a lot of this has been like, why does my shit not work? This stuff is too primitive. Yeah. And I'm like, and you're like, who's gonna build this shit? And I'm like, you. I'm talking to the two people who would be building this stuff. About a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I sent both of you a DM. You guys were still running uh, Postlight. And I said, you guys should become a Web3 shop. You're going to have a ton of business doing it. And Rich said, what's Web3? And I realized that I was living in an ideological bubble because two people who would be the most likely to understand what I was talking about didn't understand what I was talking about. So I want to clarify what I meant. What I meant is... <laughs> That it's just like the web. You've got to build the thing you want. No one's going to build it for you. It's a canvas for you. It's not a movie for you to watch. Can I make my own coin for the group chat? It's easy. It's super easy to make your own coin. I'll make you a coin. I'll... All right, let's start there. Make me a coin. Can we give some to Matt too? You got to Matt and Matt. Accept it. If Matt will give up his wallet, we can we can, get, we can give some to Matt too. But I would. <laughs> but I'm not supposed to accept coins. <laughs> they're uh, they're valueless. The again. Uh, maybe I can accept valueless ones. I'll, I'll send you my wallet. <laughs> All right, let's do that. Make us a coin, and I'm going to suck it up 
I'm going to stop complaining about ye old and web, except that the new, the new, you know, something is slouching towards Bethlehem, struggling to be born, and that's crypto. And uh, I accept it into my heart. I'm ready, Aaron. I'm ready. I'm you coming can't to, end the podcast. Can't, I think that's how you have to end a crypto. Exhale. I'm coming to that's crypto Jesus. I'm coming you to crypto Jesus. It, I think I convinced Paul during this podcast. Every time I talk to Paul, he becomes slightly more receptive. Of all the people in this chat, I can see Rich and Matt are like, I've gone as far as we want. I can kind of see just in pa the back of Paul's mind, there's like gears running. And he's like, <laughs> but what if I made it my own? Like, I don't like Bitcoin stuff, but I love the idea of like the computer is decentralized. And so, yeah, I'm a total sucker for that. Total sucker for that. Awesome. My work here is done. God damn it. God damn it. You. Matt, Aaron, At, thank you so much for, for your time. I look forward to my discussion. fourth or fifth appearance um, on this podcast. It's in the middle of Everybody the come back That's on. Clear. Yeah. Yeah. Once we get that, once we get that chain set up, we can start to pay you in the coin that you created. <laughs> Absolutely. And then talking. we'll set up an exchange, or as you like to call it, a, a shadow bank. Yes. And then we can, then we'll really be doing crypto. I'll be on an island in the Gowanus Caribbean shadow exactly. bank. In a boat. <laughs> All right. Yes. Thank you, friend. Right. Bye. Good luck, everyone. Thanks. So, well, Rich, what did they tell us? What did they tell us? What did you learn? Um, I learned that it's a... I learned about humans. I, I've said this quote in the past many, many times. Uh, but I'll say it again here. The right thing is easy. Unfortunately, people are involved. And when yeah. people get in the mix and people see opportunity and people see inefficiency, uh, things get kind of bananas. I see the tech industry as this ongoing eternal battle as to which transactions matter. Here's what I mean. 1999, it was e-commerce. I can buy something through the web. 2006, it's social media. I can connect to a friend and follow them. And now we're in this brand new battle. Is it metaverse? Is it web three? Is it crypto? Is it blockchain? No one knows what the big new transaction will be. And it's driving everybody crazy because when you don't mm -hmm. know that that's instability and you can't plan mm -hmm. your venture fund and mm -hmm. you can't, you don't know how to invest and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that, you know, Aaron did convince me in there. I, I did go, you know, he's right. 15 years from now, will this still be around? Computers will be faster. Blockchains will be more robust. People will still be transacting in some of these coins. Yeah, absolutely. There's something. Yeah. 15 years of continued creativity Oof. and weirdness will produce things out of this. I don't know if there'll be things I really want to use, but it'll, mm -hmm. it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I, I think you're right. I think it's also just real early in the movie. And it's causing a lot of damage along the way because there are some bad actors out there. Rich, you got anything good for me? I do. I do. Uh, I really recommend you listen to the song Moving Out by Billy Joel. Oh, the one that's... Is that the one with trading in his Chevy for Cadillac? Yes. But this was a bait and switch. I don't care about that song. It's actually a terrible song. And Billy Joel, there was just that weird period in his life where he sounded like a 1950s doo-wop singer, kind of. Anyway, moving out is a video game. 
Why, why are you talking about video games when we could be talking about Billy Joel's The Stranger? An absolute classic. Stranger is a very good. It's, that's it's a actually, all right, all right, all right. On, we'll talk about that another time. On all the platforms is this fun, fun video game called Moving Out. Uh, if I like playing games with my kids and family and friends and whatever. It's really ridiculous. You're kind of moving furniture out of a house and onto a truck. Um, but you have to cooperate. Like I can't pick up one side of the couch without you helping me on the other. Mm. And it mm. it has a weird, there's a weird social dynamic to it um, that's really, really fun. Moving out on every platform you can imagine uh, is out there. I like games Especially, where I play with other people. Can you play with your kids? It's great. It's great. Okay. You'll scream at each other. Uh, that's kind of the, the, well, the thing. Frankly, you, they have uh, to unfortunately, cooperate. when it comes to my parenting style, um, there's already screaming anyway. Yeah, might as well exactly. scream about a video game. Exactly. Right. Fun game. Good. Check it out. Stay off the, uh, the, the, uh, crypto, uh, pricing charts, Paul, and go play moving out. That's what I'm going to do. All right, Rich, let's get out of here. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon. Have a lovely week, everyone. Take care. Hello at ziadiford.com. We're here to advise you.